Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Simon Sinek, author of uh, marketing and leadership books like Start With Why and things like that, uh, you know, giver of TED Talks and, and things of this nature, you know, he stumbles upon some things that are actually quite biblical from time to time. He doesn't claim to know Christ, but it's, it's funny to see how even the title of, uh, I think it's his most recent book now, is echoing a teaching of Jesus's. And that teaching of Jesus's was foreshadowed by the uh, foreshadowed by the, the leadership of Joshua before that. So in our very last time together in the in the official capacity, as JCM goes verse by verse to the book of Joshua, I want to show you one more way in which Joshua foreshadows Jesus. Here is the last allocation given after every tribe. Okay, from Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Gad, Naphtali, Issachar, Zebulun, Asher, all of them have gotten their allocations of land. After the Levites are given their cities, after the cities of refuge are established, all of this gives way to one last allocation of land, and it's for the leader. It's for Joshua. Caleb was very quick to jump in and say, like, this is what I need, but we love Caleb. There's, there are a few people braver, and he certainly earned it. He was one of the only people to have, uh, he and Joshua were the only ones to have made it, you know, into the, into the promised land. And it's because he was brave enough to face the giants when he was young. He's brave enough to face the giants when he's old. And uh, he's brave enough to say exactly what he needs. And as we saw, his daughter is just like him. So he's the first to get his land. Then all the tribes are allocated. And then the cities are established for the Levites. Then the uh, cities of refuge are established. Then the seven remaining tribes all get their allocations. And then at long last comes the title of Simon Sinek's book, Leaders Eat Last, typified in Joshua. He's the leader, but he's the last one to get taken care of. And this is really, really, it's by his choice. Here's Joshua chapter 19, verse 49. When they had finished distributing the land into its territories, the Israelites gave Joshua, son of Nun, an inheritance among them. By the Lord's command, they gave him the city of Timnath-Sirah in the hill country of Ephraim, which he requested. He rebuilt the city and lived in it. These were the portions that the priest Eleazar, Joshua son of Nun, and the family heads distributed to the Israelite tribes by lot at Shiloh in the Lord's presence at the entrance to the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing up the land. It's no small thing. And if you've been with us through our whole series, you realize what a colossal thing this is. But the last guy to get his land is Joshua. And he gets this city, Timnath-Sirah. And if I can sort of approximate what I have seen on authoritative Bible atlases. Here are the tribes of Israel. Thank you again one last time for, uh, the, to Lifeway for allowing me to use this map, not just in today's devotion, but throughout this series of Joshua. It's been very helpful. Here's Ephraim. Uh, here is my approximation of where Timnath-Sirah is, because I know that it's southwest of Tapua and northwest of Bethel. And so it's right, right about here, kind of in the middle of things. I want to show how this patience of Joshua, waiting on everybody else, letting everybody else be taken care of before he, the leader, actually receives what's been allocated to him, how it foreshadows Jesus. Uh, in, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, there's this dispute that rises up from among the disciples, and it gives way to this profound teaching, this incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important teaching. 
and it's echoed in Mark's gospel as well. Mark chapter 9, verse 33, they came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? It's funny because like, as we know, Jesus already knows everything. He knows exactly what they're arguing about. But they were silent because on the way, they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Sitting down, he called the 12 and said to them, if anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. Man, this is this this is uh, this is going to make some people mad. But uh, I think something that comes up in football, which a lot of Americans all really really like, is you know who's the greatest. And what's funny about that is that uh, I I'm going to say someone is the goat uh, who plays for a, a you know a team that. He, played, he retired after playing for a team that I never really rooted for. I was never really a Buccaneers fan. I had drummed in their stadium many times, but and I lived in Florida, but I could never really get into Bucks football. A lot of my friends who live in Orlando love them and things like that, but he spent 20 years playing for somebody else before that, the Patriots. I think that the greatest quarterback is Tom Brady, and I think that he's got more Super Bowl rings than anybody else to prove it. And I think one of the reasons that he is that goat as we say is because he would withhold his own salary he would cap his own salary so he could afford to pay julian edelman and gronkowski and a a myriad of other really great players and i think it's for that reason that sorry russell wilson you're never going to be as good as tom brady because you took up this huge salary and that had personnel implications i think that was a huge part of why tom brady uh, went on to achieve such incredible successes because he would cap his own salary. Now, just let's be honest, it helps if your wife is a supermodel who makes more money than you anyway, and also he's banking on you know a sports casting career that's been well uh, well earned, and so he's financially just fine. But I first see this first and foremost as as a, a teaching of Jesus that is just true. It's not servant leadership that the savior of the world would wash the feet of his disciples, including the one who would crucify him, just does it for me beyond any kind of stupid football illustration. And it's foreshadowed in Joshua's leadership here. It's it's why I'm insisting on, you know, doing bivocational work as the the founding pastor of Redemption Church. You know, it's why I'm always there. Uh, There's nothing I won't do for the Redemption Church, Uh, you know, and it's set up and it's tear down and its labor and its hard work and everything else. You know, I, I, I believe that it's critical. I believe that it was taught directly by Jesus. And I believe that it was exemplified by Joshua. So leaders, take note of this example of Joshua, you know, who is the leader of Israel, used by God mightily in Israel's finest hour, and see how this Yeshua foreshadows the greater, truer, ultimate, perfect, eternal Yeshua, our Savior, Jesus, who didn't even consider his own equality with God as something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant and died a humiliating death on a cross. That's the ultimate example of servant leadership. Thank you, Joshua, for this incredible glimpse at it.